with all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, just don't forget uh, next week, the third, we'll have our communion service. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just note it. It will be two services next week and communion service. Amen. Amen. Are you happy this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's just turn to our Bibles. Are you looking forward to the convention? Amen. From the 23rd to the 25th, uh, double services daily. That's what we will have. Amen. Second Corinthians, the chapter will be chapter 4. The verse will be verse 7, verse 7 and 9. If they call it up on the screen, we're going to read it together. Second Corinthians 4, 7 and 9. The title of our message this morning, it is A Powerhouse of God. Amen. A Powerhouse of God. Uh, you can read after me, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Do you have a treasure this morning? Amen. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of us. Brother Brahman says the greatest gift is to get yourself out of the way. So that God can use you. Amen. Let's continue. Verse 9. We are troubled on we are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. Yet not distressed. There is a part that is troubled, and there is a part that is not distressed by being troubled. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Amen. The devil will cast you down, but he will not destroy you. Amen. You will be persecuted, but persecution does not mean that you have been forsaken. Are we together? Amen. We, if the brothers can just call up. Uh, this is a prayer that Brother Brennan prayed in, uh, during one of the dedication meetings. And uh, maybe if you can just... Uh, I will not bless the weight. We'll just pray this prayer. And where you see the forward slash in red, that's where we stop uh, to breathe. Amen. Amen. And now, now, Heavenly Father, Father, we as worshippers lay aside everything. Every unbelief. Every unkind thought. Everything that's not like you. Everything that's not like you. 
And anything that would act in us contrary to your weight. Anything. Any creed. Any, creed. Any, denominational any denominational thought. Or any thought that a neighbor or anyone else. Both here or there. Or wherever it might be. That would come to us as a thought of this person. Though being gone on, though being being a holy, sanctified vessel, anything, any man, or angel, or being, or revelation, whatever it might be, that's contrary to your plan for these days. That spoke of in your weight. Not what someone said. But what you said. For it is written. Let every man's weight be a lie. And mine true. If there is anything in us. That will keep us from believing the true weight. And knowing the revelation of Christ, Christ, as he said to Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I I build my church. church. If there is anything contrary to that, that, take it away from us, Lord. Lord. We lay it aside ourselves. We We cast it out. And accept in its place that chief cornerstone, that Holy Spirit, that's the foundation of the real church of God. We accepted that. Do you accept that this morning? We accepted that. Amen and amen. Amen. As you take your seats. That's our desire this morning, to cast everything that's contrary to the word of God aside. Amen. Is that your desire this morning? Amen. I just want to take, God bless you, sister, we need good to see you. Amen. Uh, I just went to see Brother Lucky. He's doing very well. Uh, and as we prayed... It seems like the operation is going to be avoided. They found a way to administer treatment without obviously opening his scalp. Amen. When we pray, God hears us. Amen. Good to see Sister Chetty. She's back in church. Amen. Good to see the kids of Brother Watt. They are back in church. We had to pray a special prayer on Wednesday as believers standing in the gap. Amen. Do you hear? Do you see that God still hears us? Amen. If you've got any matter, bring it before the attention of the saints. And when the saints come together and pray, it's bound to have results. Amen. Are we together? 
I just want to speak on a powerhouse of God. And without even going further into the sermon, you are the powerhouse of God. Amen. If we say we are a powerhouse, that means we are a place where God's power is housed in. Amen. So that's what we are going to look into uh, this morning. Amen. I was just attracted by something that a, a man called Johnson Flint once wrote when he said, Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no tongues but our tongues to tell men how, men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. We are the only Bible that the careless world will read. We are the sinners of gospel. We are the scoffers creed. We are the Lord's last message given in deed and in weight. Amen. Amen. Do you agree that you are God's Bible in the end time? Amen. God bless you richly. Now, I just want to take a couple of minutes to speak about a powerhouse. And you would know a powerhouse is a, it's a facility that houses power. God bless you, Sister Michelle. That houses power and is a facility for generation of power. Amen. And maybe uh, at the top of your mind, let me remind you that God's, God's church is his agency of power. Hallelujah. God's weight, God's church is his agency of power. That means whatever God is going to do, he will not do it without his church. He will do it with through his church. Amen. So that means, and we'll get somewhere where Brother Branham will show you that without a human being, God is helpless. Without a human being, there isn't much that God can do. Amen. If God needs to speak the gospel, he's got to pick up a human being and through the mortal's lips preach the gospel. If God has got to sing, he's got to find the mortal lips. Are we together? So that's what we are going to speak about today. But the Bible says we, we as the believers, we've got the heavenly treasure in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. Uh, so that means you, you, when it speaks about the earthen vessel, it speaks about your body. That is why it says, though we are perplexed, the body will be perplexed, it will be persecuted, it will go through some tough terrains, but the beauty about it is not so much about the earthen vessel. It is the heavenly treasure that is in the earthen vessel. And that treasure is the power endured by the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Are we together? And uh, uh, we, we need to admit that within us, there is, a, there is a power and a very explosive power. That's why the prophet of God say the creative power is in every heart and men, in every man and woman who has received the Holy Ghost. The same power that created the universe today, it is in every heart of every believer. Are we together? 
Uh, maybe the brothers, if they can just bring up my diagram, I would prefer the diagram to be there throughout the service. Amen. We, uh, this, is a, this is our familiar uh, diagram within the message. Amen. The stature of a perfect man. And what we want to check is how, how do you become God's powerhouse? It's not every human being who deserves to be God's powerhouse. It is, there is a process that you've got to go through until you reach that stage where you become God's powerhouse. Are we together? And Brother Bram say, when we are looking at you, we are looking at a monument that God is building. But the monument is without life until such time that God comes into the monument. Are we together? Adam was there as an upright being, but God had to breathe the breath of life into Adam. Therefore, he became a living soul. Are we together? Now, the diagram that you see there, it, it is based on Second Peter Chapter 1, I think some of verse 5, if we can just go there. If you have found it, you can say Amen. Or if the brothers can bring it up on the screen as well. I said Second Peter. Amen. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence. That means putting an effort. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. Amen. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. Are we together? But just go back to verse 5. When it says, add to your faith, Brother Brenham says, faith, and if you can see on our diagram, if you can maybe remove the scripture, faith is the foundation of everything. Are we together? We cannot get even to the second stage until such time you have faith. Are we together? And, and faith in what? Brother Roman says, of all the revelations, the greatest revelation is the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You've got to accept Jesus Christ, not just as an ordinary man, but as God made flesh. Are we together? Amen. But uh, I can take it further, especially in our time. And maybe we have to put things across for what they are. I do not believe that you would have claimed to have faith during the time of Moses without believing in the most message of Moses. Uh, do we agree that? 
So that means, and let me, let's put it this way. The commission says, get the people to believe in you. And when they believe in you, nothing shall stand before you, not even cancer. And uh, my question is, why did he not say, get the people to believe in God? Why was the commission saying, get the people to believe in you? Because the prophet of God says, the Elijah of the end time is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's a fun line in there. You, you don't need just to run with the quotation. There's got to be a balance to the quotation. It does not mean we worship Elijah. But we worship he that sent Elijah. Because you cannot save he that sent Elijah without believing in Elijah himself. Are we together? And folks, we, we've got to... Uh, the, the problem is that if, if you are a teacher and you teach uh, uh, school kids, if you don't give them the entire curriculum, then they fail. The problem is not with the students, the problem is with the, with the teacher. But if the teacher has given the students the entire curriculum and the students fail, then the problem is with the students. And I think in the end time, we've got to give this world the entire curriculum. Hallelujah. The entire curriculum. When what does that entail? I say you could not be a believer during the time of Moses without having faith, not partial faith, but complete faith in what Moses had preached. Are we together? Uh, and, and if if you believed 99.9% of Moses' preach and you doubted 0.01%, you were not a believer. Hallelujah. And I can bring it in the end time. If you believe 99.9% of what the messenger preached and there is 0.01% that you do not believe, you are not a believer. You may be religiously inclined but you are not a believer. There is a difference between being religiously inclined and being a believer. Every religiously inclined person has got to find a church that they go to. But it does not necessarily mean that they are believers. Are we together? If your faith does not change you, there is something wrong with your faith. Are we together? Now, Brother Prum we, we or even before I, I come to that, Another thing that we've got to understand, what, what is the objective of this end-time ministry? What is the objective of Malachi 4? Yes, Brother Roman say he is going to do two things. To turn, he is going to turn the hearts of the children back to the hearts of the fathers. But furthermore, he is going to reveal the seven thunders, the mystery of the seven thunders. And he simply put it for what it is. He says, those are the mystery truths that way in the seals. Yes. Hallelujah. Seven thunders are not the seven virtues. It's totally, two totally different things. But the prophet says, and, and maybe if somebody say, okay, he said that statement in the seven church age book. The seven church age book was not the book of Brother Levi. Brother Brenham, there is many quotations where he says, my book is coming out. I'm still proofreading it to check that it is the way I want it. So seven church age book has been authorized 
by the prophet of the hour. Brother Levi has done the grammar, the grammarizing or the grammatization of the book, but the book does not belong to him. The book is of the prophet. And it says the mystery truths in the seals are the seven thunders. Are we together? We'll come to to that. But I say, what is the what is the objective? And anything without objective, it is not going anywhere. If your life is without objective, your life is not going anywhere. If anything that you start, you've got to ask yourself, what are the objectives? Because if you don't have the objective as the end means, you're going to be derailed by a lot of things. You're going to be distracted by a lot of things. If we are a church, what is our objective as a church? If we are a ministry, what is our objective as a ministry? Because if you don't have objectives, you will never know whether you have achieved the objective or not. You as an individual, you must have an objective. Even your marriage has got to have an objective. You, you, you must never do anything in life without having an objective. Are we together? Now, this ministry has got an objective and this prophet had an objective. In the message, the stature of a perfect man, paragraph 172, he says these profound ways. We are not building an organization. Are we together? Yes, there's got to be a structure on how we do things. But our main objective is not to build an organization. And furthermore, folks, let's, lest we forget, the church is in the business of souls. Are we together? Yes, we can have the beautiful facilities, the sound system, carpets and what, but we are not in the business of carpets and the PA system and what. We are in the business of souls. Are we together? If we can have a well-carpeted church but with no focus on the soul, as a church we have failed. Are we together? Do you agree that the church is in the business of souls? We are not building an organization. I'm not here this morning to build an organization. Christ has sent me, has never sent me to build organization. Christ sent me to build individuals to the stature of Jesus Christ. To build what? Not a group, but individuals to the stature of Jesus Christ. That they, that they might be the powerhouse and the dwelling place of the Spirit by His weight. Are we together? By His weight. See, build up the individual to that place, not build an organization to a greater denomination, but build the individual to sons and daughters of God. That's the idea. And I'm saying that's the idea this morning. Are we together? And when we speak about power, the church should never be powerless. The church must be a place and every individual in the building has got the, the, the potential or the capacity to build, to house God's power. It is not only for the pastor and we are going to show it in the quotations. It is not only for deacons. It is not only for elders. Every individual, including you sisters, you must house the power of God. Are we together? 
do you agree that every individual has got right to pray for the sick? I'll repeat, every individual, including a sister, can and is legally obligated or has got the scriptural right to pray for the sick. Are we together? Did you hear me? That The commission is that these signs shall follow them, not the brothers, but them that believe. Are we together? I had a beautiful testimony of Brother Arnold's wife where she stays in Zimbabwe. It's, a, it's in a village uh, because they've got no access to primary health care. They have now come to a point where if any person is sick, they just say, let's go take this uh, child to that sister there. When she prays for this child, uh, she's going to be well. She's not a preacher. Uh, hear me out. She's just a sister who's connected and knows that I'm an outlet of God's power in my community. And if my community needs prayer, I'm available. And all the children and every people that they brought to her, she prayed for them and they got healed. Yes, I understand. She's a sister. Hallelujah. A sister can pray. And I'm going to bring the quotations here. There's a difference. We, don't, we say they must not preach, but we never say they must not pray for the people. You sister, in your family, you are God's powerhouse. You are an outlet that God can use where you can lay your hand upon a sick child of a relative and say, I as a daughter of God, I'm praying over this child because the Bible says that the signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. And I believe right now. Then that child is going to be delivered. Are we together? It's not only for brothers. Every individual has got a right. Amen. Now, when you look, I said, the first thing it has to be, it has to be, and you've got to understand who you are in the economy of God. You are, you are more valuable in the economy of God. As we indicated, God does not have a mouth except your mouth. In the message, gifts and callings are without repentance, paragraph 6, Brother Brahm says, Jesus said, I can if you believe. Hallelujah. I can if you believe. And now, in order to believe God, and let me put it this way, folks. What you will get out of any gift that God places amongst you, it depends on your level of faith in that gift. I'll repeat that. Any gift that God places amongst you, what you'll get out of that gift, it depends on the level of faith in that gift. Brother Brenham, he could have come as a messenger of the time, but if the people did not believe in him, there was no way that he was going to help them. Even Jesus, when he came, those that he was able to help are those that believed in him. Are we together? And this message can only help you if you believe in the message. Are we together? And, and if the message does not help you, don't try to find fault with the message. Find, just try to do an introspection with yourself. Do, do I really believe? And when I say believe, not the intellectual conception, but a genuine faith in what God has spoken. Are we together? 
And I want to put it this way. This message has power. This message has power. And this message stood the test of time. This messenger was once challenged by 350 ministers, theologians. Three, not two, not four, 350. And they were in an auditorium and they wanted to ask him questions. And he stood there and he said, I understand, brethren, you want to challenge me on doctrinal matters such as the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, such as the serpent seed. I'm here, I'm available. You can step to the fore uh, so that you can show me where I've had. And uh, there was silence in that room. And after there was silence, after the meeting, because he had already told them that the meeting was not going to be held where they initially thought it was going to be held. It had to be changed, and Brother Brennan mentioned to them where the meeting was going to be and how everyone would sit in that meeting. Immediately after that challenge, they came to Brother Brennan. One minister said, listen, I need 20 of your tapes so that I can send them to all my denomination or branches. Are we together? Then uh, another one say, we actually need to arrange so that you can come and baptize us. But later, Brother Brown, when he preached to the message, the false anointed ones, he said none of them came. They made a promise that they would come to be baptized after they were convicted or after they were shown the scriptural truth. But they did not come. Are you here, folks? But check out here. Now, their grandchildren, they would want to convince us that the man that was challenged there was wrong. If their forefathers they was never able to challenge the brother Brenham, I'm simply saying the end time, their grandchildren stand no chance. Did you hear me? 350 theologians failed in that meeting. And today... Their children, they want to tell us, and they even told the prophet, we're going to come back and be baptized. They even told a lie, but they never came back. And later, their grandchildren would want to punch holes in the message. There are no holes that you can punch because this message, it is the son of man, and we are feeding on this son of man, and the son of man has no holes. Did you get that one? Amen. Brother said, Jesus said, I can if you believe. Now, in order to believe God, most people have to have something to look at. Some, something visible. Something to look at to represent God. I believe one of the hardest things that God has ever had to do was to get one mortal to believe in another mortal. We won't believe one another. We are God's agency. Are you here, folks? One of the hardest things in the end time is to get one mortal to believe in another mortal. Because why? And that's why people would want to know, who are you? Where do you come from? What's your history? Because on that basis, if you dare try to be something else, they can say, not you, we know where you come from. So the greatest stumbling block in the end time is for one mortal to believe in another mortal. And this morning, I want to tell you, God will not speak to you. 
in any other way except for him to use a man to speak to you. God will not pray for you until he uses a man to lay hands on you. So a man is God's agent within humanity. So that means without a man, God cannot do anything for you. Are we together? And I understand where we are going because some men got puffed up and they deemed themselves to be demigods. I'm not on that line. It does not mean that if somebody takes the truth and abuses the truth, it discounts the gravity of the truth. The truth is still the truth. Are we together? None of us in this building would have been in the message had it not been of an individual that came and spoke to you about the message. Hallelujah. Maybe you can help me here. Did you just hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you and say, you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? No. The Holy Spirit will always get hold of a man. And through that man, God will minister to you. And the Holy Spirit will get hold of a woman. And through that woman, the Holy Spirit will minister to you. And this morning, if you are sick, these people that are in the building, they are the God's agents that can lay hands upon you. And the spirit that tormented you long, it can leave you right now. But it's not going to be the Holy Spirit on the tree. It has to get hold of a man. It has to get hold of a woman that prays for you. I hope we are together. Brother Bram say in this message, uh, go wake Jesus. It's just a phrase in paragraph 252. God does nothing without human agency. God does nothing without human agency. And because, you know how many times we miss the blessings? We expect a lightning and a thunder to come our way. But God will pick up a person that is a nobody to come and minister to you and say certain profound ways that can give you life. And that is why the Bible says we must entertain strangers. Because when we entertain them, we might entertain angels. Hallelujah. Don't judge the book by its cover. You don't know what is in the book. God will pick up somebody that when you look, you don't even see any good about them. But God through that person will minister to you. Hallelujah. Do we agree that without a human being, God can do nothing? Hallelujah. And maybe while we are at it, the Bible says, what is man that you are mindful of? And we are simply saying, when the angels fell, two-thirds of heaven, of angels, when they fell through the tail, another tail as a physical tail, the T-A-L-E, of Lucifer, the Bible says, God abolished their status in heaven. There remaineth no place for them in heaven. But you, when you fell, you as a human being, when you fell, God did not abolish your estate. Your estate in God's economy can never be abolished. Oh, if a servant does not do what his master requires him to do, the servant will fire, the master will fire the servant and will hire another servant. 
But when a son does something that the father does not want him to do, no matter how angry the father may be, the father will never be able to abolish the status of the son in the family because you are an eternal son, an eternal daughter of God. And that is why when you fell, he had to leave the corridors of eternity and took your own fallen image in order to restore you back. But when an angel falls, from the day that angel falls, it's a demon. But when a son of God falls, it's never a demon. God will always orchestrate events to bring that son or to bring that daughter in the economy of God. Because without a human being, God can do nothing. We are simply saying you are God's partner in the end time. Without Abraham, there was nothing that Elohim was going to do. He had to go to Abraham and explain his plan of what he was going to do to Abraham. In the end time, you are standing where Abraham stood. Amen. Now, in the message, the steam stature of a perfect man, I'll come to the diagram, leave it as it is. Paragraph 131. He said, first, you must be born again. The tragedy in the Christian walk, many become religiously inclined without being born again. And I, I'm simply saying, when you came into the economy of God, what attracted you? What attracted you will sustain you or will sink you. And I'm saying, coming into the message, if I use the analogy, is like people going to a wedding. People go to weddings for different objectives. Some simply go to a wedding and say, we're going to have a good time. The food is very nice at that wedding. They don't care how the bride is dressed or the groom is dressed. They are there for the food. Hallelujah. Some are there just say, we want to have a good time. We just want music. If they get there and maybe they say there is a power failure, they might even go back home and say, we won't have music because there is no power. Uh, Some are there. Some people are going to a wedding not to see any of the proceedings. Just simply because their friends would be at the wedding and they have not seen their friends for a long time. They are going there to meet up with their friends at the wedding. That's why while the wedding is going on, you may find other people outside. They're talking to each other. That's why they came there for the wedding. But there are people that are going to the wedding and say, I'm going there just to look at how the bride is dressed. And such a person, until they say, here cometh the bride, that person will never move. And when the bride comes, that person, their focus will be on the bride. They don't want their focus to be distracted because what the, that's what they came there for. And I'm simply saying, when you came into the message, what did you come for? What did you come into the message for? If you came for a position, what happens when the position slips through your fingers? Hallelujah. If you came because uh, you have observed that sisters in the message are quite upright and they are quite, 
they, they listen to their husbands on, on all things. I hope so, sisters. On all things. And a, a young man comes and says, I want to get married in that church because the women listen to their husbands to all things. What happens when you find out that your own wife will never listen to you? And, and whatever attracted you to come into the message, it is the very thing that the devil will unleash every power upon it so that if he shakes it, he's going to shake you. A lot of times the devil was not after people's marriage, but he was after the very thing that they deemed it to be above everything. And he said, if I destroy this marriage, I know this person will never be in church. But there are people that are attracted to Christ. And let me tell you, the devil shall never attack Christ. And if you are attracted to Christ, that means you are here to stay. Are we together? Do you agree that some people are here just because maybe the husbands they provide, they are good, they don't run around. That's why I'm a message believer. You have not gotten anywhere. What happens if that husband of yours slips up? Are you, because now you have made him a God. The devil is going to target the very thing that you esteem high. And I'm simply saying this morning, irrespective of whether we are married or not married, old or young, no matter who we are, the thing that we must esteem high is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we together? And we must say, let everything fade, but let that thing never fade. My confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let my husband live if he lives, but let my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ be unshaken. Let my relationship with the pastor be strained, but let my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ remain unshaken. Let the church people hate me, but let my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ be unshaken. And when your confidence is in him, there is not even a single demon that will shake you in your Christian stance. A lot of us, we are easily shaken because we believed in wrong things. And a lot of us, we go away because in the first place, we were attracted by wrong things. Did you hear me? Brother Bram was said to introduce Christ. And Brother Bram's desire was that the people must get to the point where they see that he decreases and Christ increases. The ministry of William Branham was to increase Christ among the people, but you cannot get to him without a messenger. You can never receive the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ without the messenger of your hour. It's like attempting to pass you at last without your class teacher. That's nonsensical. I'm doing grade 10, but I don't care about the teacher. I don't care what the class teacher says. I'm a student. I'm going to go forward. You're going to fail. You've got to identify that that woman has got to teach me everything that is required for this standard in order for me to move into the next standard. And I had much better put it across. William Baron Brenham was a man sent from God. William Meron Brenham was a man sent from God. I'm not looking for majority to believe that. Even if no one of you believes that, it does not change the fact. 
William Meron Brenham was a man sent from God. And the people during the time of Moses, they would have said Moses is a man sent from God. And how do I know what your attitude would have been towards Moses? I check what your attitude is towards the prophet. And I understand some people that are here, they would have debated with Moses there because they are debating with the messenger here. People die, but spirits don't die. Why does the message say we must do things like that? That's exactly how you would have been in Egypt. You would have come and said, why should we cook the lamb? I don't prefer the lamb. Why don't we do beef beef curry or whatever? You are going to die. The recipe that night, it was from Moses. And if we bypass that recipe, you are going to die. The recipe in the end time, it is in the message of the hour. If you bypass it, you are going to die. And if you take it, you are going to leave. Folks, this, there is no other way. No other way to please God than to accept the gift that he sent in your time. I will repeat. There is no other. You can sing great songs. But if you reject the gift of God for your hour, God does not care about how great singer you are. You can be a great and eloquent speaker, but without you acknowledge the gift of the hour, your eloquency means absolutely nothing. Do you believe that? That is why. We had led of the people that even translated the Bible that would come and say, when the words of Jesus were spoken, and Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you. The interpreters knew whatever he uttered was divine. They had to put it there. But if it was the irresponsible people, they would say, this verily, verily is wasting ink. Let's just do only one verily. Are you here, folks? If he said verily, verily, we say verily, verily. Hallelujah. If the prophet, when he was preaching, he coughed, we leave that cough on the tape. We don't know what made him cough. We are not going to subtract anything, including the cough of the prophet on the tape. Oh, maybe you think I'm fanatical. Yes, I'm fanatical. Leave me with my fanaticism. But I believe this was a man sent from God. And nothing is going to be deducted. I'm speaking about faith. You've got to have faith. Amen. But you must be born again. And I say the danger today, people are not born again. People are not born again. Amen. And I'm going to make it a point. Any person that we baptize in this church must come and spend a couple of minutes with the pastor. Just to go through counseling, whether you understand the picture, where are we, where are we going? Do you hear me? I'm going to be available for that. Any person that gets dipped into the water would have spent time with me so that I understand. You really understand. 
what you are getting yourself into. Amen. Because I've realized objectives and motives are not the same. Are we together? Amen. And we are being crooked these days. We are being crooked. We just say this one is going to be baptized with left hands, not knowing that the person is looking for, has already seen a girlfriend in church. I know what I'm talking about. Are we together? And no, and young sisters, hear me out, you young single sisters. Any brother that has not served a sizable amount of time must never marry you. Don't ever be married by new recruits. Did you hear me? Because a new recruit, after he got what he wanted, he's going to show his colors. And by that time, you've already said, I do. And I do is irreversible. And that new recruit has already spoiled your entire life. In this church, folks, we are not going to drop the standard. Oh, we are not going to stop to drop the standard. Not at all. Not at all. Amen. Did you hear me? Amen. And you've brought your family here because you believe that what we preach here preserves your family. You believe that what we preach here preserves your young girls and your young boys that are growing up. Isn't it so? So we are not going to, if we drop the standard, we are compromising many lives. And that's not what we are going to do. Hallelujah. Firstly, if you get baptized, what have you believed in? What have you believed in? And I've realized, folks, you do allow me to preach. If, if a woman, women are very, are very, women are very discerning. Amen. That's why women would be, if I was the pastor and wearing only one suit, they will know, figure it out that is that one of last week and the other one of the week. They don't forget. Um, and if needs be, they would even drop a nickname for you. That's how they are. There's somewhere I'm going. A woman, when she walks into a room, she surveys the room. As soon as she can identify that there is a skirt that looks like a hess, or a top that looks like a hess, she will disappear from that roof. Brother, sometimes when you go to events and your wife says, we need to leave, it's not because the event is not nice. There might be somebody that is dressed like her. They, they want the uniqueness when they are dressed. There's some way I'm getting. A woman, there's no way a woman would walk into a room of people without observing how they are dressed. Do we agree? Hallelujah. We men don't care. We will only be reminded that that man that was wearing, I don't remember him. Unless he did something like a movie star, then that's the, we only remember action. But if they did nothing, we don't remember people by how they were dressed. Are we together? What I'm simply saying is that there is no woman that can come into this church and without 15 minutes into the service and realize that women are dressed differently. It's impossible. It is impossible. And a real genuine woman has got a sense of occasion. 
once she has dressed in a certain manner and she came and realized that, oops, uh, I'm underdressed. She's not going to come next week still underdressed. Uh, unless there is something wrong with her head. I'm preaching here, folks. Are we together? Isn't that the same with you? If you walked into a place and you are wearing suits and everybody is wearing shorts, you're going to pick up quickly that I'm overdressed. And if the very people invite you next week, are you going to go wearing a suit? You say, those people, I know them, bring a shirt because there they wear shorts. I'm simply saying you cannot go into a place and not observe quickly that things are different. A message church is different. You cannot walk into a message church and it's just normal. If, if, if we ever get to that stage, maybe I as a pastor I need to step down. A sinner when he walks into a message church, it must dawn on him that uh-uh, I'm in a, a different realm. Even before the word comes forth, a sinner is already introspecting. I see that woman walked in. I see that woman. There is something different about them. Did you hear me, folks? Faith. In military. Amen. I was talking to Masuma. He needs to teach me some military secrets. In, In military, you've got, they test you your loyalty to the sovereignty of the country. They push you to the limits until you say, ah, they are mistreating me. But they know that if you go through the initiation stage, then you are a tested soldier. Are they not saying that a soldier without ideology is a potential rebel? (laughs) Hallelujah. If you don't understand the ideology of your country, and you become a soldier. You know what will happen? Because soldiers don't earn much. Soldiers don't earn much. They get free food. They get free accommodation. But when you look at their salary, they, don't, they earn nothing. And uh, while being a soldier, you are, you are deployed in Congo. And while you are amongst the Congolese, maybe Mujumai or Lubumbashi, you come across people that are dealing with diamonds. And they say, uh, protect us, we want to take out this diamond. And all of a sudden, because you are a poor soldier, automatically you forget your loyalty to your country, then immediately you turn into a rebel because of material gain. But where is the problem? The problem is that you may not have been tested as a soldier. Because when they put you through that process, either you accept or you give up at some point and say, this is not for me. And they know that those that make it on the other side, they are the genuine things. Don't ever be afraid, hallelujah, to present the message the way it is. Uh, don't say, no, we need to make it. Don't make it easy, folks. Don't make, let me put it this way. A lion, our, our, somebody was sharing with me, and say, a lion... When it is born, before it gets to a place, before it eats meat, it will sometimes, does it drink milk and eat grass? Hallelujah. I'm told some animals, the only animal that as soon as it is born, it eats meat is the eagle. 
other animals, they've got to go through soft stage where they are being given soft food. But an eagle, as soon as it is born, an eagle will eat meat. And you are an eagle. Stop giving people milk. Hallelujah. By the time you realize that this is not an eagle, it's too late. Give a person the meat from the word go and see what they turn out to be. Then you will know whether the person was genuine or not. Amen. I say, hey, we can't speak about the serpent seed. It's too early. Early for what? At what point are we going to talk about it? No, brother, we can't speak about marriage and divorce. We need to, to leave that. Now we just want to attract them first. Hallelujah. And then after you have attracted them, after they realize the gravity of what you are presenting, they say you misled us. No, tell them. If we baptize you as a person, a brother will say, uh, do you have another, do you have a wife? Are you married? What is happening? What is your entire situation so that we can address your situation by scriptures? Not after you are baptized. Let's put this in its position. Let's put that in its position. Not do things in retrospect. Because why? We want to test your faith. The stage of a perfect man, 131. First, you must be born again. And, when, and then when you are born again, you have faith. You cannot have faith without being born again. You believe the word. Until you are born again, you will argue against it. Until you are born again, you will find a way to argue with the message. Do you know there is a, what they call the charge? There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a writing or a, uh, that was written by a, a certain man, I think is, I forgot his name, but the title of his writing is The Light, The Charge of the Light Brigade. In the Charge of the Light Brigade, what happened today, it was 600 uh, troops. 600 soldiers, and they were on their horses. And when they were in their horses, this uh, general shouted and say, and they were, they were coming into a combat zone against uh, other military that had canoes, that had uh, military tanks, and had guns. So this army, this army general said, march on, charge towards them. 600 soldiers took off. And the only, all they had was swords. And the other army had guns, had military tanks. And they came marching towards them. Now, these ones with military tanks, they started bombing them. And as they bombed them, they never turned back. They kept on charging towards them. And as they killed more and more of them, they kept on charging towards them. Until few of them reached where this army was and even went past them. Now, it was said that as the general was saying, march towards them, the soldiers knew it was a wrong order. But because in military you don't debate, we action the order, they just marched. But the arms simply say, this is not the charge of the light brigade. <laughs> 
This is the charge of the brigade that is being led by Michael. If he says charge on them, he already knows the end before the beginning. He already knows that you are going to overcome. Don't debate with him. Just go forward. Are we together? Don't debate with God. Yes, debate with people because you don't want to be misled. But when it becomes clear that it's God, don't debate. Amen. Until you are born again, you will argue against it. If you are just religiously inclined and you've got a little human knowledge that you should do right, you will never be able to agree upon the word of God. You will never do it. You've got to be born again. And being born again, it produces a faith. Then thereafter, you get faith, right? Then you are just in a position of growing. Can I say, when you are in the economy of God and you don't grow, it's a blasphemy to God. There's no option except growing. You've got to grow. You, may, you must never be as the same as you were last year. You've got to grow. Are we together? Now, Brother Brenham say, as, as you add, because you have faith now, but uh, on your faith you need to add a virtue. And it says virtue is not a, in, in a sense where we say a woman has got virtue. That virtue there refers to strength, refers to power. Your faith must have power. And Brother Branham, he brings out the woman with the blood issue that came to Jesus and said, only if I can touch the hem of his garment. And he touched, she touched the hem of his garment and he said, virtue has gone out of me. And Brother Branham said he would have never given out virtue until he has virtue. The church will never give out virtue until it has virtue. So that means as then uh, Jesus Christ as the body was the agency of God's power. You today, as the body of Jesus Christ, you must be the agency of God's power. As the people there touched him, and he lost the virtue, today, the people must touch you and lose their virtue. And you lose your virtue. What does it mean, folks? It means you, wherever you are, you are God's agency of power. And when people reach out to you, such as you have, you shall give to them. But first, you must have faith. And to your faith, add the virtue. There's got to be power to your faith. And Brother Abraham said, to your virtue, add knowledge. And the knowledge, what is happening? To know wrong from right. To able to balance the doctrines. And I'm simply saying, in the end time, message people are beginning to lose the virtue of knowledge. Anything that comes their way, they just open their mouth and swallow because they lack knowledge. And this morning, anything that you listen to, test it by the way. No matter how renowned a minister is, no matter how long you've been with the pastor, if the onus is on you, after you have heard, you go and search the scriptures. After you have heard, you go and search the message. Because we know God is infallible, but a man is fallible. Amen. 
to your knowledge after rightly dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. And the knowledge, what is happening? And knowledge will teach you your age. How to expect God in your age. But without knowledge, you'll be sitting here expecting the son of God while he's the son of man. Because you don't have the knowledge. You don't even understand the dispensations. Are we together? You'll be sitting here and still saying, goodness, I miss the, Moses, the message of Moses. Or I miss the message of Pentecostals. Hallelujah. We don't miss nothing of the denominations. What we have is much higher than where they are. Uh, do you agree with me, folks? We miss absolutely nothing. Because why? We have knowledge. Amen. And to your knowledge, add temperance. And brother, say temperance, it doesn't mean that where you, you say, hey, I don't drink. It's not an, he says it's not an alcohol cue. He says here, temperance is self-control. He says that when, the, when a wrath has been unleashed upon you, you respond with kindness. When they spoke badly about you, speak good about them. He says it shows that you've got temperance. Hallelujah. When he hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, he expressed temperance. Hallelujah. Self-control. You cannot say you are a believer and as soon as something triggers, irritates you, you already get your that kicking chest. It means you've got no temperance. Even in your marriage, you need temperance. Self-control. What you say is measured. Are you here, folks? You don't just talk for the sake of talking. Before you talk, you check what will, what will be the impact of this words upon this individual. Everything that you say is well thought out. But a person without temperance, they just talk. And after, I used to love Pastor Makola says, a person that is more angry is not different from a person that is drunk. Because when you say, I was angry, it's more like a drunk person say, I was drunk. If we accept your excuse, we accept the excuse. Temperance. And your temperance, patience. Hallelujah. God is not a microwave God. You've got to wait for certain things. How long? I don't know. He can make you wait for five years, for ten years, for twenty years. But if you are a believer and you are building up these building blocks to this monument, you will have the patience to wait. Hallelujah. And once you have waited, and it says then, there comes godliness. And folks, this, among, among, within the Pentecostals, because the Pentecostals, the reason we mention them often, is the very age that we come from. Hallelujah. It's a standard that we just recently passed. So it, it, they are the immediate point of reference. The only thing that produces godliness in the end time is this message. The only thing that encourages godliness in the end time is this message. Uh, folks, have you seen among Pentecostals, things are hey, why? Things, uh, things are, there is a problem there. Yes, my brother said, big time. 
When we are like this, there is no holiness. Men are hugging women. Women are kissing men. They say it's a holy kiss. Imagine me as a pastor after the service, I'm standing there and kissing all women. And I say it's a holy kiss. That's what's happening. Flee away from such. The only thing that can produce godliness is the message of the hour. When we shake the sister's hand, there is a godly distance. Hey, they are in church today. After the service, it's all hugging, hugging, especially if they say it's the sister's birthday. All these twisted young men are there in the queue to hug and kiss. Hey, such a bunch of nonsense. I'm glad of the message of William Brenham. We don't have such nonsense in the message of the hour. Not here. I agree with you, Brother Tad. Here is not acceptable. Amen. Is that what is happening out there? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Big time. Men don't respect other men's wives. But not here. If you ever see another brother hugging another sister who's not his wife, ah, come and report to us. He won't be back next week. I, I can guarantee you won't be back. Or if he's back, you'll be standing here and say, I apologize. We will not tolerate such nonsense here. Not at all. Because there is godliness that we must add. And maybe to our Pentecostal brothers that have got jealousy about their wives, the safest zone is in the message. If they ever listen to me preaching wherever they are, when you are in a Pentecostal church and you are irritated by a wife being kissed by a pastor, hugged by a pastor, hugged by brothers and the elders, leave that church and come to the message. We we don't tolerate such. Even from the pastors, we don't tolerate such. Yeah, even when a pastor can hug another man's wife, we kick him out. He won't preach by next week. Not at all. Not at all. That's why there is godliness. And you know why? We cut against, we cut jealously against godliness. If you do something, we advise you. We'll be available. Don't do it like that, brother. Repent. This is not how we do it. And if you are unrepentant and you continue doing it, we tell you that, listen, we are giving you 30 days. Go and think about it. Whether you, st- you still want to worship God or you don't want to worship God. And after 30 days, if you still are unrepentant, we excommunicate you. Excommunication doesn't mean we don't love you. We are just keeping our camp clean. Yes, we are just keeping our camp clean. Amen. There's a sister that Brother Mpanyan and I had to see. And I observed, she came to church, dressed in her skimpy clothes. Amen. And sisters, hear me out, elder sisters. It's not wrong when a woman is poorly dressed that you pull them aside and say, Sister, hey, your thighs are all over the place. 
I've got this uh, uh, cloth. Can you just put it across? Isn't what the prophet did when the woman was sitting there and everything was exposed? The prophet says, here's my jacket, sister. Just put it and cover it. You, you've got to do it. Sisters, you've got to be jealous. If you don't do that, your husband will be watching. Yes. Because these are spirits. If she wants to present herself in a sexual manner, she's got a target. And if you are slumbering, your target may be your husband. Hallelujah. Sisters must be vigilant. Call her aside and say, can I see you in the restrooms? Amen. And that's where you will test whether this person will go through the process. If she says, ah, you're oppressing woman, I'm done. We realize even from the beginning, she was not one of us. A woman, even though she's not spiritual, she will be morally natural. Then we called this woman. She kept on wearing very skimpy skirts. And we advised. It never changed. We advised. Never changed. Until we called her and said, Sister, listen, I'm giving you two weeks. It's very simple. If you keep on dressing the way you are dressing and coming to church, it's not acceptable. Go home. If you, want, if you don't have skirts, the church, we as the church will buy you skirts. We will go and buy you skirts. But if, go and think about it. If you feel that you are comfortable like this and you want to come, you still don't want to change. I will see after two weeks. If you come, that means you have changed. I will see with your dressing. And if you don't come, I will know that you still enjoy to dress the way you are dressed. And she never came back. Then one time I met her at the mall, she was wearing very skimpy clothes. I said, goodness. Then what was the target? Was she there to believe? Or was there to corrupt the minds of our young men and our men? Do you see why we've got to protect the church? Are we together? And even deacons know if a sister comes wearing in a bad shape, you don't put them amongst the, the brothers. Go ahead and put them amongst the sisters. That's where they will sort out the extra cloth. Are we together? The church of God is about discernment. Because we are in a spirit realm. There are many spirits as I'm preaching right now. But I'm glad that the word will defeat the devil anywhere, anytime. And under any condition. And you, church people, make us feel comfortable to preach. Because when we preach at liberty, we cast away spirits. Hallelujah. Can you walk in a Muslim church with a short skirt on a Friday afternoon when we know it's only men's church? And you go and see them and they say, hey, we don't want to offend her. She has come to church. Oh, we are raving. Let's be appreciated that at least she came to church. Come and sit here. They will not do that. They will stop at the gate and say, women are not allowed today. And even if they were not allowed, not the way you are dressed. There is a way that they dress. But message people are apologetic. Even if I'm preaching right now, some people are uncomfortable. And I don't care. I absolutely don't care. Oh, I don't care. I'm not here to please you and say, we need to be a come For what? 
forward. Is the devil accommodative? Can you walk in a nightclub and tell them that I'm a Christian? Turn down the music. They will say, what are you doing here? Get out! Church people are very compromising. Even when they preach, they feel pity. What are the people going to say? Allow me to administer the paternity test. I mean, if your wife can say, if your wife can have a child and say, but this child doesn't look like me, we want to take her for the paternity test. And when you are going there, and say, ah, that means you don't love me. Why do you want to test the child? Eh? Why? Why? Then you realize. Because the real woman, if she knows that it's your child, she will say, go and test him and bring the results. And you go and test when you come and say, yeah, it confirms 99.9% that I'm a parent. She takes the result, tells them and say, you will not see this child. You denied him. Don't ever come here. But the one that says, what's the problem? Then you know. So allow me, if these people have come here and said they are the children of God, allow me to do the paternity test. Don't stop me and say, no, no. Then there is a problem. There is a problem. There is a problem. Amen. And if you have a problem when I preach like this, there is a problem. There is a problem. Because a genuine situation, even, even an old woman, an old African woman who has never heard anything about Christ, when I preach like this, they will say, it's the truth. We believe in ancestors, but that man is preaching the truth. Because in the absence of God, nature becomes your God. Amen. People will not come next week. <laughs> when the word of God is preached, the predestinated seed will rally around it. Would you have told Jesus when he, when John the Baptist says, Ah, you children of vipers. Shh, John. These people came to church. Oh. You wouldn't have stopped joy. Or Jesus, he says, unless you... And imagine you, you were there at service last week. He multiplied fish and bread. And now he invites the family and say, listen, and you know the mothers. We are going to church. They church, they serve us. If you don't go, when I come back, I don't cook. I just want to sleep and relax. If you want to eat, you come with me to church. Because we are not cooking today. Jesus provides. And even your uncle, they come following. And when they come there, and when they wanted to look for him where he was, he had crossed the river. Because Jesus will never find him at the same place. Hallelujah. A revelation is progressive. And then they came there and said, ah, he's not here. They said, no, no, we'll make amends. They say he's across the river. Let's go across the river. They go across the river. Jesus is there, having none of it. No lunch, nothing. He just say, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you're unworthy of me. Can you imagine the people that invited, the people that said, that man is going to give them lunch, and he preaches such a sermon, they look at them and say, what's happening? Doesn't the Bible say, many left? 
Many left because they realized that this is not a service that we're looking for. But the genuine material, people like Peter, he turned around and said, why are you still standing? He said, where shall we go? Where shall we go? The message, the seed of God, whenever you preach, even though it may be offensive, they say, where shall we go? Where shall we go? Because the message is the answer in our life. And sometimes when you preach the truth, you help the people to bend down their bows. Alexander the Great, whenever he went to the battle, he crossed the river. The first thing that he did is say, now let every man bend his boat. And he said, why are we bending our boats? He says, if we need to cross the river, we're going to use their boats. And for us to use their boats, we've got to overcome them. But if you are still keeping your boat and the battle is raging, you jump back on your boat and you come back. And some people still have boats. They are in the message, but they still have their boats. As soon as there is a problem, they jump back into their boat. I'm glad to report I bent my boat. And I don't know how many of you bent their boat. And said there was only one way, Brother Mariba. Forward we go. Backwards never. Maybe that's what you had in mind when you composed the song, Forward We Go. You don't take ten steps forward, five steps backwards, like a yo-yo. No. Then after godly godliness, brotherly kindness. Have you picked up that when you look at the virtues, all these virtues, they show the age, I mean, faith, efficiency. Have you realized that the virtue of the age is the one that is being most attacked by the enemy? In the end time, the devil is in the message doesn't attack so much faith. He knows that you have seen it all. He is attacking brotherly kindness. Love among brethren. He is bringing clans cultish tendencies. We are the only church that has this revelation. The rest of the people are gone, are dead. What happens to the universal body of Jesus Christ? Brotherly kindness. Upon little doctrines, he brings nonsenses that separate the brethren. But once the prophet says, when a man possesses this kind of things, then the Holy Ghost comes upon him. No matter, you might speak with tongues, you might impersonate any gift that God has got, you might do that. But until these virtues here go into you, you are still of the real thing. You are still of the real true foundation of faith. But when these virtues grow in, and you are added to the, and you added that to that then you are a living monument you are a living moving idol that's what the prophet says what does it mean that means god beholds you and loves you and appreciates you and affirms you that's why he caps you with love because god is love <laughs> 
Then you become a moving monument. And this morning, my question would be, do you have faith? If yes, does that faith have virtue? And that virtue, does it have knowledge? That knowledge, does it have patience? Does this patience have godliness? Does that godliness have brotherly kindness? And our young people in the end time, they struggle on godliness. Godliness, it's a problem. And why godliness? Godliness, it means to be like God. The scriptures say, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you can never be perfect until you are perfected by the same God that comes and resides in you. And when he resides in you, it's no longer you hating sin. It's God in you hating sin. Are we together? Amen. Amen. Are you here, my young people? Godliness. Setting yourself aside from the things of the world. Amen. Amen. Leaving marital stuff to marital people. And you'll be a young girl and you'll be a young boy. Until such time you get married. Sex before marriage is not dating. It's a sin. Are we together? Having another concubine, Makwapin, is not extramarital affair. It is adultery. You know the devil, no, I just had extramarital affair. Does it make sound good? No. It's adultery. The devil has messed up with our language to make things that are not acceptable to be acceptable. No, I'm just dating. That's fornication. No, we're not doing anything. We just kiss each other. Sexual glands are exchanged. Are we together? And that is why what we have always prided ourselves on is the high standard of godliness within the message. And we need to guard that against that godly. Are we together? A lot of brothers here that have been in the message, they know. Had you been elsewhere, some of you would not even be married to the wife that you are married to. Why? Because men out there, they say, before I get married to the woman, uh, I need to date her first. For what? For what? If you are God-led and God shows you that that's your woman, you go after her. And you marry her. You don't run around. Guys, I'm not going to allow certain things in this church. Where young men or comes and say, I'm in a relationship with sister so-and-so. And and after six months say, no, you see, I I don't feel her anymore. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We are not playing here. We are not playing games. There are other churches that can accommodate games, but yeah, we are not going to accommodate games. If you are a man, you begin to talk to me about a sister. You must understand 
that it's a process and you must follow the process through unless something drastic happens. But we're not going to flash on the screen, brother so-and-so is in a relationship with sister so-and-so. After a month, we flash on the screen. It has been cancelled. For what? And a lot of times, it's the sister that is compromised because the brother jumps onto another sister. And all the brothers, they wonder, why did he leave that sister? That means there is a problem. We don't allow such. If you ever entertain an idea of an opposite sex, it must be with the intention to marry them. Not to play around with them. I expected a better amen than that one. Amen. Are we together? Amen. Okay. Once, once you, as an individual, and as a collective of individuals, you have added up these things, then Brother Brenham now addresses you. He says things that are to be, paragraph 33. Now, if we are those attributes of God, we cannot live by creeds. We cannot live by denominationalism. We must live by the weight because the bride is a part of the bridegroom. Like any wife is a part of her husband. Therefore, we must be that weight bride. What is that weight bride? What is that weight bride? The manifestation of this hour. You must be the manifestation of this hour. The bride, not a creed or a denomination, but a living oracle of God, a living attribute of God, displaying to the world the attributes of God in the formation of the bride that's to be expressed in this hour. Are we together? Maybe in closing... I can speak about that woman that was dressed in calico dress. This woman, I've spoken to you about it many a time. Brother Branham calls her a southern mother. You find it in God's covenant with Abraham, paragraph 13. He says this woman was sitting in the meeting. She sees another woman that had a baby. The baby was sick and the lady looked at the baby and something moved on her heart and said, you need to pray for the baby. But she says, no, it's not for my place. The man of God will pray for the baby. The Holy Spirit kept on nudging her and said, you've got to pray for the baby. Until she went to the mother and said, do you mind if I pray for your baby? And the, the mother said, by all means, gave the baby to this southern mother. She prayed for the baby and gave the, back the baby to the mother. And she went up in the balcony. Later, when this woman came on the platform with that baby, holding the baby. Hallelujah. When she came on the platform, Brother Bram said, Sister, your baby is not sick. There is a woman dressed in a calico dress. She has already prayed for the baby, and the baby is healed. Amen. What does it mean? That sister in a calico dress, she knew that I am God's powerhouse. Amen. And this morning is not only the pastor that prays, Here's a, a brother. He phoned me the other time. There was somebody that was sick, and he was looking for some people to come there. And the woman was there, lying in bed, couldn't wake up. And the brother said, rather right I realized I couldn't get anyone. I laid my hands on the sister, and the sister, she got healed. They were there in church last week. What is happening, brother? If the pastor is not there, if the deacons are not there, you are God's powerhouse. You can approach that demon and say, 
as much as the pastor is a son of God, I'm a son of God. As much as the pastor is a son of God, I'm a daughter of God. Demon, step aside. And because you are God's powerhouse, you will become an outlet of God's power that will flow upon that demon and that demon will flee away. Every man and woman in this house is powered by the almighty God. As long as they've gone through these stages, God will back you up no matter where you are. And he will never allow you to fail because you are God's representative upon the face of the earth. Fear nothing and know that I am God's powerhouse. Powered by the almighty God. God bless you richly. As we stand to our feet. Are they God's powerhouse in the building? Amen. Let's go. Let's just worship him. I think he deserves to be worshipped. Yes.
Men love cars. Amen. Is it true? Amen. Now, I was amazed the other time. There this man that was driving the latest BMW. And obviously, you know when people have got this high-powered vehicle, they want to, they want to move you out of the highway. You are wasting their time. Now this gentleman, he, he moved us out of the highway because he was driving this high-powered BMW. While we were admiring uh, his powerful vehicle, all of a sudden he as well was requested to move out of the way. But he was requested by a man that was driving an old Jetta. And now we wonder that this old Jetta is, is humbling the man that has humbled us. But we wondered, why would an old Jetta CLI humble the latest M3? Then we realized that, uh-uh, it looked like the Jetta. But in the engine, it was not the CLI engine. The man had a secret. And I said, the devil can look you and say you are small. But he doesn't know who's powering you. There is somebody within you. Hallelujah. Let's worship him. I'm a child of a king.
last shot before I release you. This man, you know, the road rage. He's following this other car, very angry, because he wanted to sort out this, this uh, driver in front. And he chased him on the traffic, and we were observing that. And when we got to the robot, this man that was angry got out and approached the car of the target. And when he went to look, because he was angry through the window, when he peeped through the window, he just saw a big muscle. And the man op- just opened the window and said, is there a problem? And the man said, no, I apologize. <laughs> and I'm simply saying, the demons that are following you, they don't know who's inside. Sometimes just stop and say, is there a problem? And a demon will say, forgive me. I did not know who was inside. Amen. Give us another one, then we'll wrap up in prayer. Brother Chetty, you can just come and wrap up in prayer for us. Because he loved me so. Hello.
we love him this morning. Lord Jesus. Amen. We worship you, O oh God. We adore you this morning, Father. Oh, it's just so wonderful, dear God, to be in your presence, Father. It's just so wonderful, Father God, Lord, to be accepted, Father, to be called, dear Lord, to be predestinated, Father, to be elected, O God, Father, to be a special boat and a class of people, Lord, that could eat Pure meat, dear Lord, from the time of birth, Father. And, oh God, just to be in your presence, Father, with the unadulterated word of God, Father, piercing, Lord, beyond the flesh, Father, piercing beyond the spirit, dear God, but right into the gene seed of God, Father, and having our souls respond, Father, to the word of God, saying, it is thus saith the Lord, Father, saying is that we appreciate it. It is amen, Father God. Let it be so, Father. Let it materialize in our life, O God. Let it become flesh, O God. Let it be the final voice Father, the final word oh God, Mm. let it be a third pool dear Lord Jesus Mm. to the lost Father let it be Father God a voice dear Lord to those that are struggling this morning Father, dear God we must appreciate you this morning Father, it is the highest calling dear Lord Jesus when you said a minister with a gift of ministry Father Mm. you said it was the highest calling Father God, there's no other the provided way, dear Lord. You're not going to come down, Lord, and and speak, dear Lord, as an angel, Father. Mm. But you have chosen, dear God, vessels, dear God, that are time-tested, oh God, Mm. to come and speak the pure oracles of God, Father. And this is the ultimate, Father God. This is the highest, Father. This is the zenith, dear Lord Jesus. This is the highest calling whereby you will come down, Lord, and rebuke sin, Father. Whereby you will come as a designer of the word, O God, Father, and look down deep into our hearts and know our faults and our failures, know our weaknesses and our strength, dear Lord Jesus, and speak to us, dear Lord God. Lord, because this is the hour of rapturing faith, dear Lord Jesus. This is the hour of matured wheat, uh, children of God, Father. I'm just so thankful that you have pulled us out, Father, from Pentecost, Father. 
pulled us out from a Lord a, a denomination, Father yes. God. And Lord strengthened us this morning. And we can hear Mama Eagle, dear God, this morning. Crying out, dear Lord Jesus, to many Lord that were in the barnyards of even message formality, Father. Mm. Saying, Come out of her, my people. Be a partakers of the strong meat that God has prepared for us to meet the requirements of the rapture this morning, Hallelujah. Father. And we just say, Lord, be it unto us this morning. Pray, dear God, that you would bless each and every saint this morning, Father. Let's faithfully come, Father. You know the hearts of many, Father, yes. this morning, Father. You know, Lord, the problems of many, Father, mm. this morning, dear God. Lord, they sung and they cried out to you, Father. There's many may be troubled this morning, yes. Father. Lord, there may be some marriages this morning, Father God, that are in distress and there's a distress call coming out mm. and crying out to you, Father God. There may be a husband and a wife this morning, Father, yes. that may be even not living right, dear Lord Jesus. Mm. Thou art the discerner, dear God. Thou art the word that's in the midst this morning, Father. But we just so thankful, Father God, that they have come to the right place, Father. Yes. Not the church as such, Father, but to a church where the word of God, that is God, that has solutions, Father God, that can eradicate, Father, completely with the blood of Jesus Christ, which yes. is the bleeding word, through this message of the hour, dear Lord, mm. and completely bring them, dear Lord Jesus into your presence, Father. Completely bring them into a place, Father God, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Oh, I just pray, Father, that you'll reach out to your children this morning, Lord. Many are needy, Father, this morning, Father. There may be some that may be sick and just going through struggles this morning, Father. Mm. And Lord, maybe financial burdens, yes. Father God. And uh, Father, whatever they are, dear Lord Jesus. Yes. Father, there's an answer right in the Thank camp you, of Father. God, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know, Jesus. dear Lord Jesus, that you'll make a way for them where there's no way, Father. Pray, dear God, that you will give them the faith this morning, Father. Pray that you will rebuke sin, Father, in such a way, dear Lord Jesus. Father God, that they will receive their blessing this morning, mm. Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray as the children of God, Father God. And we're trusting you, Father, for a miracle, dear yes, Lord, Jesus. Lord Jesus. We know that you will heal by doctors. We know that you'll come in a miraculous way, Father. We know that you'll do it, but Jesus heals, Father. Yes. Whichever way Jesus saves, Thank whichever you, way, dear Lord Jesus, Jesus makes a way, whichever way it is, Father, we so thank Thankful, Father God, we're blessed, we're assured in our hearts, Father, that when we walk out here this morning as the children of God, mm. and we face, dear Lord Jesus, out there, dear Lord, the Goliaths, Father, when we face there, dear Lord Jesus, out there, Father, but Lord, we will be like that jetter, dear Lord Jesus. There's a secret in the pavilion, Hallelujah. in the hidden place, in our hearts, Thank Father. You. A message that has come this morning. And if we believe our pastor, dear Lord, as you said to the prophet, if you believe me, Father, and there you have sent him this morning, Lord, a man, O oh God, standing, fable, weak, Lord, false and failures. But if we believe, Lord, that's what's within him, dear Lord Jesus, then all is well, Father. 
Let this morning, so Father. Father. It will help us, Lord, yes. to go along, Father, till we meet again, dear Lord. We thank you. We bless you. We humble in our hearts, Father. We must appreciate you, dear God, and just give you all the glory, Lord, and all the honor, dear Lord, because you have honored our faith and you have blessed us, dear Lord, yes, this Lord. morning. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you richly. I hope we are praying for the convention. I hope we are praying for the convention. Amen. You know, there is a man called Charles Spurgeon, greatest preacher in the 18th century. He was invited to, a lot of times when visitors would come to his church, he would take them down in the, into, in the, into the basement. And when he got into the basement, he often said, this room is the powerhouse of this church. And in that basement, that is where believers would go there, pray for the meetings, pray for the up meetings. And whenever he stood there, he said a lot of people, because he is renowned to be a prince of preachers, and he often said, it was not so much about me, but it was so much about that God had given me a praying church. And later he says, if I was to choose between training 50 men to preach or to pray, I will train them to pray. Are we together? So when we go into the meetings, it's not so much about the ministers that are coming, but it's what you do when you are on your knees. Are we together? Your prayer can change the course of events. Amen. So, God bless you. Keep on praying for the convention. I know there's some beautiful ideas that are often here. Let's make our visitors to feel comfortable. Somebody was telling me that somebody is asking if she can bake some things and just to put in the rooms of the visitors so that when they are busy studying, at least they've got some muffins there. Those are, those are good thoughts. Those are good thoughts. Amen. It's when believers know that this is not for the pastor. This is not a pastor's event or the elder's event. This is our event. I will do whatever it takes from my corner to make sure that the meetings are a success. Amen. We are looking forward. God bless you richly. Let's go over to you. You can lead us two songs, Jubilant. You can come here while I give over to you. God bless you richly. Have a blessed week till we see you on Wednesday. Amen. Salute.
Ujesu pagi.